We began a brand new series today. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. And uh, when you get there, just hold on to it. We'll get there in a little bit. We started a new series today called In the Zone. And we just, we just wrapped up a series uh, last Sunday. And I always, I always find it a little sad, you know, when we get to the end of a series because I've been spending so much time in, in a particular subject or a particular passage of Scripture. And uh, man, Nehemiah was so deep. There was so much good stuff. We could have probably camped out there for another two or three months, honestly, if we wanted to mine all that was in there. But we wanted to move on. But we've left the wall up, and I think we've left the wall up for uh, a, a good reason. All right, we talked about being restored. Nehemiah went back to restore the wall, and they recommitted themselves, and they refocused on what God wanted. And when all of that was done, the kind of the final point was to be ready. Be ready for what's going to come, because when you build, rebuild your life in the way that God wants it, when you recommit to Him and you refocus on what's important, change is going to come. Change is going to come. And so... I believe that God has our church primed. I believe that he's got you as an individual primed this morning for something ready to be different in your life. And so this morning, we're gonna turn the page with an idea that we wanna be ready for what God's got coming, and we're gonna talk about being in the zone. Now, what is... What does that mean? Well, it happens. It happens in a lot of different places, being in the zone. It can, it can happen on the golf course. Uh, it can happen in the workplace. It can happen in relationships. Uh, for example, uh, I love to play golf. I mean, some of you may not play golf at all. You don't get it. But if you're a golfer, maybe you make a couple of pars or a couple of birdies in a row, and that's not how you normally play. And all of a sudden, you're playing better than you've ever played. Or if you're shooting hoops, all of a sudden, you start draining threes and free throws one after another after another, and you're not used to that. Or in the business world, maybe you go and you close deal after deal. Everything that you start working on starts to work. Everything starts to be exactly like it's supposed to be. Or in the context of your home, you start, whatever you're doing, all of a sudden it starts clicking with your spouse. Your spouse is pleased with everything that you're doing. And some of you are going, man, how do I get into that zone? I've been trying to figure that one out for years. But, but that's what it means to be in the zone. It's like everything is firing on all cylinders. Everything is just working the way that it's supposed to be. And you say, man, I am in the zone. We want to hang out there. We want to be there all the time. So it's a phrase that most of us have heard, probably most of us, uh, most of us have used, but what, what actually is a zone? What is a zone? Well, if you look up the technical and dictionary definition, a zone actually is an area that is distinguished from surrounding areas, all right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little fun with the whiteboard this morning, <clears throat> And uh, hopefully most of you will be able to see this. I, I can't promise it's not a big board, but, uh, and I'm not, I, I am a stick figure drawer, folks. So, you know, no criticism because this is as good as it gets. Uh, all right, so the zone. All right, so the zone is an area that is distinguished from surrounding areas. That means that compared to the rest of this space, this is an identifiable space. It's a unique space. It's different. You can recognize it as not being the same as everything else that is around it. All right? 
So my question for you this morning, our question for us as a church and for you as, as individuals are, are you in the zone? You in the zone this morning? Are, are you zoned in? Or are you zoned out? And if you really had to answer that question this morning, are you in the zone, are you in or are you out? What, is it, what does it mean to live in the zone? Well, I believe that for a Christian, living in the zone basically means this. It means living in the sweet spot of God's success. The sweet spot. Now, if you've ever played baseball or golf or, or anything like that, there's, there's like a spot on the bat. There's a spot in the golf club. It's the sweet spot. It's like when, when you just hit the ball perfectly, right in the sweet spot, you get the absolute best result that you could possibly hope for. You familiar with that term? Yes? Okay. I believe that for a Christian, living in the zone means living in the sweet spot of God's success. Now, let me give you a little bit of a kind of a heads up about this series before we go any further. What we're going to talk about today and for the next two weeks, it's going to be a, it's going to be a short series, just three weeks. But what we're going to talk about is incredibly important for your life. It is incredibly important that you get this. And I'm telling you right now, church, there's going to be some of you in here this morning that over the next couple of weeks, there's going to be some wild and wacky stuff that happens to you that, that is going to kind of prevent you or, or tempt you to not show up at church. Some of you are going to find yourself on Friday or Saturday of next week or the Friday or Saturday of the next week, and something's going to have happened, and you're going to go, well, you know, I just, I can't make it this week. Hear me, hear me on this. In this particular series of messages, you gotta understand something. That is the work of the enemy of your soul. That is the work of the devil because I promise you he does not want you to hear what we're about to share together over the next three Sundays. It's that important. This is life-changing stuff for you as individuals it is life-changing stuff for us as a church, as a corporate body. We want to understand what does it mean to live in the sweet spot of God's success. So back to the question, are you zoned in this morning? Or are you zoned out? And if it's living in the sweet spot of God's success, then how do you get there? How do you get there? That's the question that we want to answer. So let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much this morning for your love, for your grace. God, we, we could not be who we are. We could not do what we do were it not for your love and your mercy. And so, Father, as we sang this morning, let your spirit reign. God, just may it fall down on this place. God, inhabit the words of, of your preacher this morning. And Lord, may it be magnified like uh, the loaves and fishes to feed uh, this flock this morning in ways that are supernatural. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so how do we get there? How do we get into the zone, the sweet spot of God's success? Well, I would suggest to you this morning that it involves 
living and reflecting the character of God Almighty himself. And to kind of illustrate what I believe is important and the key piece of living in the sweet spot, I wanna start with a verse of scripture that almost everybody knows, even if people don't go to church, they know this one, but I think it's critical for us to get this ball started. John three sixteen. All right, we'll put it up on the screen for you, but almost everybody knows this one by heart. You probably don't even need to look at it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. All right, so now the first part of that that I wanna show to you this morning is that if you wanna live in the sweet spot of God's success, first and foremost, you've got to understand that you've got to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are somewhere out here this morning, and to get into the sweet spot of God's success, you will never get there on your own. You will never get there until and unless you embrace the sacrificial Son of God Almighty, Jesus Christ. That is the only way you will ever get into that place where God's blessing is flowing in your life. You must come to faith in Jesus Christ first. You must submit your will to his. You must submit your need for a savior to his. You cannot cut it. You will never be able to be good enough to earn your way to heaven. You will never be good enough to be better than somebody else to get there because you will never be perfect. And only thing that God allows in his heaven is perfection. His son was perfect. He died in your place. He died in my place. And we are covered by his blood when we say yes to Jesus. It starts there. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it must start there. We'll give you a chance to to do that at the end of the service today, but it has to start there, all right? However, I'm pretty sure that a lot of you know that there are Christians all over the place and maybe even some in this building this morning that have said yes to Jesus. It was an initial entry into the zone of God's blessing But you know good and well that they don't live in the sweet spot of God's success all the time. In fact, some some don't even live anywhere close to the sweet spot of God's success, even though, even though they said yes to Jesus. How is that possible? All right? So let's make the zone a little bit bigger. So now we're thinking a little bit more like a, a target. All right? So out here, I would say that this is saved but not in the zone. In this this ring right here, all right, this is the sweet spot of God's success. Now, is this part of the target? Yeah, it's part of the target, but those outer rings are not the bullseye. That's not the sweet spot. And there are a lot of Christians this morning, they say yes to Jesus, they give their life to Christ, they submit themselves, they get saved, and they, they sort of get onto the target itself, but they never figure out how to land in the sweet spot of God's success. They spend their life sort of living on, on the target, but not in the zone. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So there's a whole lot of Christians, and let me tell you something, that is not God's plan for us. God wants us to get saved, as we see in John 3, 16, but he doesn't want us to just exist out here on the target. He wants to move us into the bullseye, into the sweet spot of God's success. And I think the key to that 
is one word in that verse that I think we just blow over way too many times, and that is God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Church, this morning, you have got to understand with every fiber of your being that God is a giver. He is an incredible giver. He has incredible generosity. He loves to give. It is the nature of God to give and give and give and give. That's who God is. And he loved us so much that he gave his only son the most valuable thing that he had because God is a giver. And in fact, the Apostle Paul understood that when he wrote in Romans 8, 31 and 32, he said, what, what, what are we going to say about that? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he continues, he didn't spare his own son, but he delivered him up for us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So here's what Paul is saying. In the, in the first verse there, Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, and church, hear me on this, God is for us. He is for us. He's for you this morning. God is for us. And I think sometimes we have a hard time accepting that fact because we know who we are. We know what we've done. We know what our life has looked like. And it's hard for us to comprehend and wrap our arms around the fact that God is for us. Yeah, God may have been willing to offer us salvation. We got on the, on the target somewhere. But the idea that we can live in the sweet spot of God's success of his love because he's for us, it's like, mm, I, don't, I just don't know if I can go there because I don't know if God sees me that way. But listen, church, Paul said God is for us. He's for us, and he wants us to have a life that is full of purpose and meaning and passion and joy. He goes, well, Coach Mark, how can you say such a thing? How do you know that? Because Jesus said it himself in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have life what? Abundantly, life to the full. Jesus did not come so we would simply sort of hang out here somewhere on the target. Jesus came so that we would know what it means to live here in the zone, in the sweet spot of God's success. He doesn't want to just save you. He wants to redeem your life in such a way that you shine to the rest of the world. If God's for us, he is for us. And in verse 32, the apostle Paul said, well, hey, if he gave us his son, how will he not give us all things? Paul is saying, basically, listen, if God is such a giver that he will give us the most valuable, important thing that he could possibly give us, then how would he not be willing by default to give us even lesser things? He gave us the best thing we could ever have. Then you can expect that he's willing and ready to give lesser things if he's already given the best thing. He didn't hold that back. So he doesn't even want to hold the lesser things back from you or me either. That means that if we want to reflect the character of God, then we've got to learn how to be generous with everything that we've got. We have to learn how to be givers. We have to learn how to be generous with our stuff, with our time, with our talent, with our possessions, because that is the heart of God. 
And that's where God wants us to live. Now, let me demonstrate this a little bit from the life of Abraham. Abraham lived outside of the zone. He, Abraham was not on the target anywhere. I mean, he came from a family of idol worshipers. Abraham was off somewhere way separated from God. And God broke through the clutter and Abraham heard God and he responded to God. And as a result, he got zoned in to the blessings of God and living in the sweet spot of God's success. Okay, look in Genesis now, chapter 12, verse two and three. Genesis chapter 12, verse two and three. Now, many of you know the story of Abraham, but we're gonna revisit it because I think it's important for us to understand exactly what is going on here. All right, so Genesis chapter 12, verse two and three, God speaking to Abraham, he said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, I'll curse those who curse you and in, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What, what is going on there? Well, through Abraham, the nation of Israel was born, right? Through Abraham, because Israel was born, Jesus Christ was born. And through Abraham, because Israel was born and Jesus Christ was born, we can now be born into the family of God because of John 3, 16. And if you're not sure about that, I'm like, well, Abraham, I'm not tracking that. All right, I'm gonna put a, a, another scripture on the screen for you here. Galatians 3, 29, here's what Paul said. He said, if you're Christ, and, and if you're Christ, that means you have accepted and adopted John 3, 16 into your life. That means you have confessed Jesus Christ. You have trusted in him for your salvation. If you're Christ, if you're a John 3, 16-er, then whose seed are you? Abraham's seed. Then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That means if you are a Christ follower this morning, if you have chosen John three sixteen as a way to live your life, that means that you are living and enjoying the legacy of Abraham. You are living in the, the blessing of Abraham. How cool is that? Because Abraham lived in the zone and that has channeled out for generation after generation after generation. Men, you wanna leave a legacy to your families? Learn to live in the sweet spot of God's success and it will ripple down for generation after generation after generation. We are here today because Abraham not only got into the zone, he stayed in the zone. Now, back to Genesis. Flip over a couple of pages to Genesis chapter 24. Okay, you're in Genesis 12, just flip over to Genesis 24. Now, Abraham sent his servant out to find a bride for his son, Isaac. And when Isaac had run across Rebekah, he's talking to her and telling, him, uh, telling her about uh, Abraham and, and Isaac. And in verse 34, he says, I am Abraham's servant. And in verse 35, the Lord has blessed my master greatly and he has become great. He's given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, 
male and female servants and camels and donkeys. He said, hey, listen, you need to understand something, Rebecca. My master is in the zone. He's living in the zone. He's been blessed. He says it right there at the top part of the verse. The Lord has blessed my master greatly. He's blessed. God has blessed him. Now, that's a, that's a phrase and a term that we throw around a lot. I mean, somebody sneezes, and what do we say? God bless you. Uh, when you ask somebody how they're doing, a lot of times somebody will say, I'm blessed. And, and I get those. I, I think the thing that throws me off the most and just kind of freaks me out a little bit is some of you have heard, and I'm not recommending this, but you can't, sometimes you can't avoid it. You're a, a comedian and they're, they're going really good and all of a sudden they go into some profane thing or some entertainer and starts using profane language and the next thing out of their mouth is, hey, God bless. Like what? I mean, man, you just went into a place that you had no business going. The next thing out of your mouth was God bless. So we use this term God bless in all sorts of settings in all sorts of ways. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be blessed? Well, I don't know about you, but for me, normally when I think about the blessing of God, there's a few things that come to my mind. That I would call them the intangibles. And I think about peace, peace in my spirit. I think about tranquility in my soul, love, joy. Those are the things that generally come to mind for me and I think probably for most people when we talk about the blessing of God. It's like these things that, that you can't necessarily touch, but man, how life would be so miserable if we didn't have that. We didn't, we didn't have peace in our spirit. We didn't have tranquility. We didn't have love and joy that we can't explain. Man, life would be so much harder if we didn't have those things. So that's how most of us tend to think about the blessing of God, and we want that. And that is part of being blessed. Without any doubt, without any reservation, that is absolutely part of being blessed. But church, it is deeper than that. There's more to the blessing of God than those peace and tranquility and love and joy. And how do I, how do I mean that? Look back at Abraham. Look at how the servant talked about God's blessing on Abraham's life. And Abraham was blessed occupationally. He was blessed relationally. He was blessed financially. Abraham was blessed in every way that you can imagine. And so church, I want to, to add to the, the context of what the blessing of God means for you this morning. And that is this. To be blessed means to be on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. It's not one or the other, it's both and. Why? Because God is a giver. God loves to give. And to be blessed means to be on the receiving end of not only the intangible favor of God, but also the tangible favor of God. Now, I think a lot of us have a hard time accepting that. And I will say, I don't know what all the reasons are for that. I think for some of us, it might be because, you know, we've heard prosperity preachers. Prosperity preachers get up and they distort the word of God and they try to make it sound like, you, you know, name it and claim it. Anything you, have, you want, you can have. Church, you need to understand one thing I'm not saying. 
because this is not in the Bible and this is not biblical. Jesus is not a genie in a lamp. He is not somebody that we come to and we rub the bottle a few times and he pops out and goes, what do you want? That is not what we're talking about here. And I think a lot of people have heard prosperity preachers over the course of time distort the scriptures. And so our natural reaction a lot of times is that, whoa, whoa, that's not how God, that's not how God does things. God doesn't bless us that way because I heard somebody distort the scripture. And so now I just dismiss that altogether. Don't ever let the devil steal the truth from the word of God because somebody else distorted it. There's an old saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? We know that. Don't let the devil steal valuable truth of God just because somebody else took a piece of it and distorted it and twisted it. The Bible absolutely positively teaches us that the favor of God is not just the intangible stuff. It is also the tangible blessing of God because God is a giver. And if we don't accept that, let me tell you what happens to us. We become blessing blockers. Because God wants to bless, that's the nature of God. But if we don't believe that God is a giver, we make it hard for God to bless us because we become unblessable because we're like, whoa, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're gonna work that way. Now we talked about let it rain, right? Lord, let it rain. Let it rain. I, I heard somebody talk one time about, you know, how, how stupid is it, you know, when people of faith show up to pray for rain and then they don't bring an umbrella? Right? If we're going to be people of faith, if you're going to pray for rain, bring an umbrella. And when we pray for rain, part of the rain is the blessing of God falling the blessing of God coming down, his favor on us, falling down on us. And how foolish is it when we ask for that, but we won't live in such a way that we make that possible. You following me? So we don't wanna become blessing blockers and inhibit the generosity of God. To, to, to be blessable, we got to be here in the zone, in the sweet spot, so that the favor of God can actually fall. So how can you be a blessing? How can you get there? How can you receive the blessing of God, and how can you be a blessing? Well, let's go back to the life of Abraham for a minute, and I want to talk about three different events in the life of Abraham that sort of give us a clue about how it means to get into the sweet spot and stay there. All right, so the first one is Melchizedek. You can look, just flip over a few pages if you want to. It's in Genesis 14, 20. Abraham had taken his ninja warriors, and that's, I mean, literally, he had, he had like a trained group of warriors in his, uh, in his household. And they had gone out, and they'd won a battle, and they'd taken all the spoils, because that's what you do in that time. And as they, he, uh, Abraham was coming back home with all the spoils of war, he wound up encountering someone named Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek in, in Genesis 14, the Bible tells us that he was the king of Salem. Now, a lot of people uh, think that this is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. But here's, here's Abraham coming back with all this stuff, all the goods from the, from the conquering that he just got through doing. 
And he runs into this Melchizedek. And in chapter 14, verse 20, the Bible tells us that Abraham stopped and he wound up giving a tenth of everything that he had just gotten to Melchizedek. Well, why would he do that? Because Abraham was reflecting the generous nature, the giving nature of God. And if Melchizedek was a foreshadowing of Jesus, then Melchizedek is giving to him what was rightfully his in the first place. So here he is out in the desert, coming back home, had a great experience in, in the battle. They won a bunch of stuff and he runs up and, and encounters Melchizedek and then out of nowhere, here's one-tenth of everything I've got and it's all yours. Now, just a chapter before that, in Genesis 13, we read about uh, Abraham and Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew and they were traveling together. And as they were traveling together, Lot was sort of living in the, in the fallout of Abraham's blessing. And Lot started to get a bunch of stuff. He started to acquire a bunch of things. And he said, hey, we can't do this together. We, I got too much stuff. You got too much stuff. Now, the only reason he had what he had was because of Abraham. And let me just remind you, church, the only reason that you have what you have is because of God. See, Abraham had rained down blessing on Lot. Lot had enjoyed the blessing of Abraham. And he only had what he had because Abraham had let him acquire it. And you need to understand this morning, you and I only have what we have because God has allowed us to accumulate it. And when given a choice, when Lot said, hey, we gotta, we gotta pick different pastures, Abraham had every right to say, I pick first and you get whatever's left. But what did Abraham do? He said, you pick first. Lot, you pick first. Why? Because Abraham was living in the zone. He was reflecting the giving nature of a generous God. One other situation, Genesis 22, Isaac, his son. His only son. Now, he had Ishmael, but he wasn't the son of the promise. So this, Isaac was the only son of the promise. And God said, hey, I want you to go sacrifice Isaac. And in Genesis 22, we see that's exactly what Abraham was going to do. Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son at the request of God. And we know what happened there, right? God stepped in and provided a ram, a substitute sacrifice. And if you're not familiar with that story, that is ultimately a picture of what God did for us. We should pay the penalty for our sin, but he sent a substitute. He provided a substitute, Jesus Christ of John 3, 16, his one and only begotten son that wound up on that cross as a substitute for our sin, which opened the door to get into the zone of God's blessing. And in all three of these events, over and over again, Abraham showed that he was reflecting the nature of God and being generous with whatever he had. Why? Because he knew that everything he had ultimately came from God. 
Church, this is the difference between management and ownership. What Abraham did was the difference between management and ownership. And that is something that way too many of us as followers of Jesus Christ struggle with day in and day out, understanding the difference between management or stewardship and ownership. We think we own it, and God says you have it because I gave it to you. Let me take you on a kind of a hypothetical journey. It's a hypothetical one for you, but it was, it was a real one for us. Um, Leslie and I were um, looking to take a, a trip, and, and I'd met a, uh, a gentleman in ministry up in the, the Chicago area, and uh, he had made people aware that he had this cabin in the woods of Western North Carolina. And he said, I know how hard ministry is, and uh, if anybody uh, wants to go and just spend a week there or two weeks there, let me know. It's yours. You don't have to pay a dime for it. Now, I've, I've got some things on, you know, on the wall, on the refrigerator, a list of things that need to be done, but if you'll do those things, you can go stay there free of charge. Like, sweet! We went. It was a beautiful place. Welcome, baby. You remember that? How many of you this morning would take one week or two weeks or longer in a beautiful cabin in the woods, free of charge, as long as you did the stuff that was on the list on the refrigerator? Let me see your hand. Okay, so I think that's almost all of us. Hey, just do what's on the list on the fridge and it's yours. You can enjoy it any way that you want to. You can stay as long as you want to. Just make sure that you do the stuff on the list. We did. We had a wonderful time there. It was a refreshing time and it didn't cost us a thing other than taking out the trash, cleaning the toilet, making sure the windows were clean, I mean, the, the mirrors were clean, and there was nothing left that would, you know, make a mess, changing the sheets. Was it worth it? Oh, yeah. It was totally worth it. So what does that have to do with anything? Well, let's go back to the zone. All right, so here's the zone. God is up here. Okay, God is the blesser. And God the blesser wants to bless us. Why? Because God's a giver, right? All right, but he wants to bless people that are in the zone. He wants to bless people that are living and reflecting his generosity so that he can give to them so that they wind up doing something else. So God rains down his blessing into those of us who are living in the zone so that we can go from being blessed to being a blessing. All right, so how do we do that? I'll put the, a couple of things on the slide for you here. We receive and then we reflect. So what that means is God rains down blessing in us because we're willing to reflect the generous heart and the nature of God. So God drops blessing into our life. 
And because we're reflecting the nature of God, we bless someone else. And because God knows that if he drops this blessing into our life, that we will be faithful to become a blessing to someone else so that they are blessed by God's the blesser, then God says, okay, I can trust you with that blessing because I know it's going to get distributed even further. Does that make sense? We want to live in the zone, in the sweet spot of God's success. Abraham still left a legacy that resulted in Jesus Christ that is still blessing the world today. Why? Because he understood what it meant to live in the zone, in the sweet spot of God's success. He reflected in every opportunity, in every measure, in every way, with everything in his life, God, if you bless me, I want to be generous in return. What you've given me is from your hand. I am, a, I am a manager, I am a steward, I am not an owner. And because I don't own it, I'm willing to share it with someone else. See, the problem for way too many of us, and it happens for believers and not believers, is too many people live outside of the zone in this place called the land of Ing. Land of Ing, it's a bad place. Clothing. Shopping. Bling, bling. You know what happens out here? Is we think that whoever dies with the most ings wins. But here's the problem. If you die out here in the land of Ing, you never made it into the zone. You know what God wants to do? God wants to bring your Ing in here and put his bless on it. See, we're trying to live with all the stuff that we've got on our own. And God says, you know what? It's, it's going it, to fade away. It's going to rust. It's going to disappear. But if you'll live in the zone, if you'll live in the sweet spot of my success, if you'll bring all of your ings and bring them into the zone, then I'll add my bless to those ings and all of a sudden they will be multiplied and they will last much longer and then you can bless someone else and become a blessing to them. That's what it means and that's how we live in the zone. But the problem, everybody out here, they think this is all theirs. And way too many of us as Christians, we get into the mindset that, hey, if it's in my pocket, it's mine. You don't have a right to any of this. If it's in my house, it's mine. Nobody else has a right to any of this. But God said, did you forget where you got it? Did you forget that it came from me? We're just a few weeks away from Thanksgiving. And at Thanksgiving, that's supposed to be a time where we turn our thoughts to all the things that we're thankful for. And a lot of these wind up on the list. And they should. We're thankful for our housing. We're thankful for our clothing. 
We're thankful for the different ings that we have in our life. But God says, don't forget where they came from. And when we do, what happens is we, we say, hey, I'm thankful for one day on Thanksgiving Day, I'm thankful, but the next day I'm not thankful enough because I got to go out and get a whole bunch more. Am I lying? I mean, Black Friday, man, it's the biggest sales day of the year. The day after, we just got through saying, man, I am so thankful for all this stuff. And the very next day, but it ain't enough. I got to get more. Give me more. And God says, stop pursuing all that. That is a life that never ends the way you want it to. Bring your ing into the zone. I will bless it, multiply it, and then you can bless someone else. And that is so satisfying. Matthew chapter 25 is a passage of scripture many of you are familiar with. It's a story of the talents. The owner of the estate was going away. He called his servants. He gave one five talents, which is a measure of money. He gave another one two and one one. And he said, put it to use. Use it. And when I return, we'll take an accounting. He didn't say when he would come back. He didn't say how long he'd be gone. He just said, use it. If you know the story, the one who had five put it to use and he he doubled it. It became 10. The one who had two put it to use. He doubled it. It became four. The one who had one went and buried it. Buried it. Oh, I don't want to take a chance with this. And he thought, man, I'm going to get a pat on the back because when he comes back, I've still got what he gave me. So the owner comes back and he takes an accounting. And the one that had five and doubled it to 10, he said, man, what a great job. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who had two and turned it into four, what a great job. Enter into the joy of your master. Do you know what he called the one who had one and buried it? Do you know what he called him? He called him evil. You wicked and lazy servant. Why? Because rather than bringing what he had and trusting God with it so that God could multiply and then he could do more with it, he hoarded it. He hoarded it. Church, when we start to hoard the blessings of God, we become blessing blockers and we move out of the sweet spot of God's success. And if you're a Christian, then you wind up somewhere out here just living in the target zone, but not in the place of God's blessing. You will never know the life that God called you to. You will never know John 10, 10 until and unless you are willing to reflect the heart of God with a generous spirit with what he gives you. Now we're gonna explore this in some more deep and profound ways over the next couple of weeks. But this morning, I wanna challenge you with the idea, change your mindset from being an owner of 
everything to being a steward of everything, of being a manager of everything and asking the Lord this morning, God, how do I get into the zone? How do I live in the sweet spot of your success? And I ask musicians to come back to the platform as we wind this message up this morning. If you're here this morning and you're not sure if you stood before Jesus today that you would be welcomed into heaven, don't leave here today unsure of that. He says today is the day of your salvation. Carlin read this morning, he read Romans chapter 10. Whoever confesses with their mouth the Lord Jesus, who believes in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If you're not sure this morning, don't leave here unsure. The first step into living the kind of life that you want to know and want to have, it begins with stepping into the salvation that is offered through Jesus Christ. And we'll give you a chance to pray a prayer of salvation with me in just a moment. But for the rest of you, church, if you're a Christ follower, this is not a satisfying place to live. This does not reflect God to the world. This does not help other people find Jesus Christ because we're becoming blessing blockers. God wants us to live in his blessing because he wants to bless you. He's a giver. And Paul said if he, if he wouldn't withhold his only son, then why would he withhold anything else? He won't. He wants to give it to you. But you've got to be here. You've got to be open-handed with your things. You've got to be open-handed with your time. You've got to be open-handed with your treasure. So that through your blessing from God, you become a blesser to someone else. Let's bow our heads. Father, as we've heard your word this morning, as we've sung praise and worship together at the beginning of the service, God, remind us all this morning that it's all meaningless without you. Lord, it starts with salvation, but it doesn't end with salvation. Father, for those of us who are believers this morning, God, forgive us. Forgive us for living outside of the zone and, and for not being as generous with our things, with our time, with our resources as you call us to be because we want to reflect you. Lord, I especially pray right now for anyone who needs Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and you're not sure, I want you to be sure. If you're not sure and you want Jesus in your life and you know that, then I want to lead you in a word of prayer right now. You just, wherever you are, I just want you to pray with me. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm not perfect. I believe the story of you dying on the cross. I do believe that. I believe you rose from the grave. Lord, I don't know exactly what it means to give my life to you today, but God, I want to. I want to receive you into my life. I want to live for you. I want to live with you.
So God, save me and help me begin that journey today. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. God, I pray that in these next few minutes that your spirit will truly rain down. That no one will leave here today the same as they were when they came. God, as we open these altars for prayer, for belief, for repentance, for confession, Lord, for, for uh, making decisions in positive ways. I pray that you'll have your way in every life. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stay in a state of prayer. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. As music plays, we invite people to come to the altar this morning and just pray. Whatever God has laid on your heart, pray. If you pray to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, come meet me. Let's talk. Let's celebrate that together. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, as we're in a kind of a state of prayer as a church, then the altars are open now. So come and, and do business with the Lord. Spirit is the Holy Spirit and I never want to try to be Him. But I would think that we'd be in a church in a place where people want to embrace the sweet spot of God's success and that the altars would be full. Because we cannot be a blessing if we cannot be blessed. Blessed.